Welcome to another edition of 11 Mile Sessions Live. We got a lot of great stuff for you coming up. We got videos as usual. Uh, coming up at 7 o'clock, we have the progressive rock band Wide Track doing a live band performance for us. But first off, to start everything, something that we pre recorded, I have an interview with Mr. Chris Impelitary. And he's from the band known as Impelitary, band that's been out uh, since the 80s, a metal band. And uh, we're going to talk about various things, including the new anthology. But let's uh, let the interview do all the talking and let me do less yakking is what I'm trying to say. So anyway, this is my interview with Chris Impelitary. All right, 11 Mile Sessions live. And as promised, we have the gentleman Chris Impelitary from the band Impelitary. This goes back to the 80s, um, back when metal was like one of the most prominent music in the scene, I would say, like both uh, records and tours. Um, good evening, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. Deeply oh. honored. Our pleasure, our pleasure. We, we, we love music of all kinds, and we especially love music uh, for, um, you know, independent music. I, I don't know if you want to be called that, but, uh, you know, uh, at least currently, you're not in any major labels. You're not part of Warner Brothers or Sony or anything like that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So um, we're here to talk about a new um, compilation that's, that just came out on September 30th. Um, it's a bunch of tracks from your band dating from 1987 to 2010. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. I'd like to go back away, you know, to the beginning, if I could, just for a moment. Um, so you started in 1987. Well, that was the first recording. Obviously, you've probably been doing it for years before that. And you would have been, like, put into a category, not just with metal, but you would have been considered a shredder, you know? back when the magazines Guitar World, Kerrang! and Burn were at their peak. Um, what I'd like to know is, like, what got you started? I mean, you obviously, did you shred from the beginning, or was there other musicians that said, hmm, that, I want to play guitar? Well, well forgive me. When, when you say, how did I start, or in the beginning, are you talking about when I started being able to play the more articulate, fast, you know, complex Stop um, talking about like how I began as a guitar player. Yeah, like when like your very first band, were you already doing that style of music or were you doing something more different? Oh, okay, great, great. So no. So when I first started playing professionally, I was probably fifteen years old. Mm -hmm. And at that time, guitar players like Brian May, Gary mm -hmm. Moore was mm -hmm. a big influence. Mm -hmm. um, and I certainly, I was aware of players like John McLaughlin and Al Demiola, Paco mm -hmm. Lucia, mm -hmm. But at that point, I was still doing a lot more pentatonic scales, right? So we're talking like music theory, um, which is much more, what you hear, it's kind of rooted what blues guys generally use, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that was probably the inception when I started really... Um, when I say playing professionally, again, you're, you're, we're playing covers and bar bands. Again, I'm 15 years old where they're sneaking me right. in. Um, it was probably when I hit about 17 or 18, I had a great guitar instructor. And he was um, he had a very strong uh, theoretical background, right, with music theory. And he loved players like Pat Matheny, Dimiola, guys like that. And he exposed me to a lot of this... Um, this complex style of playing, 
mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I'd probably say about 17 is where I started going from just playing, you know, um, traditional, you know, pentatonic scales to starting to use harmonic minor, diminished, melodic mm-hmm. minor, mm-hmm. you know, all those various scales. And then, of course, I started really watching players like Aldemiola with their mm-hmm. picking technique, which I found fascinating because I was really into the percussive aspect of what you could do with the instrument. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that was a logical progression. I mean, if you were already exposed to, you know, guitarists like that, it made perfect sense where you landed when you finally started your own band like that, in Pelletary, of course. Um, so that was back when uh, that style of music was very popular, not just bands, but like even just instrumentals. So obviously you were around the same time as Joe Satriani, Steve Vai when they were like popular, um, Tony McAlpine and all the like. Um, did you ever get to work with any of those uh, people or like play with them or open up for or, you know? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai and Impelitary, we started at the same time on Relativity Records. Now, okay. Joe and Steve were a lot older, a lot older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I, I do remember Joe for a while came to our rehearsals a lot, you know, because he was friends with our label guy, which was a guy named Cliff Coltrary, just a great human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and he signed us. And so at that time, we were around each other a lot. But no, I never played with them. You know, Impelitary is a heavy metal band mm-hmm. composed or comprised of, you know, four or five individual people mm-hmm. it's not chris and Pelletary, the instrumental guitar player and it's never been no, so i've never no. really quite fit in with those guys even though mm-hmm. i get with the soloing aspect people try to put me in that category mm-hmm. but we've always been a band so okay no that makes sense i know sometimes things cross over here and there that's why i asked you know you never know but uh so when you started in 87 um, you started out with that ep and your lead singer for the majority of the run of the band, of course, was Rob Rock. And he, he leaves every once in a while for whatever reason. And then you worked with Graham Bonnet, who also played with Steve I and Alcatraz. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, what else? Um, uh, let's talk about Wake the Beast. That uh, is going to be released on Global Rock Records, um, or actually was released, I'm sorry, I, I said that earlier, September 30th. And, of course, that's available any way you can get um, records, music, that kind of thing, correct? Yeah, you know, I was laughing. My wife just showed me last night it's available on Target. <laughs> so you can get Wake the Beast, get a, a good dose of heavy metal from him, Pelletary, at Target online. Um, Amazon, as far as I know, it's being distributed everywhere, which is really yeah. lovely. No, that's the new thing. I remember, uh, I think, not this past album, but the album before that, I think ACDC had an agreement, I believe, with Walmart here in America. <laughs> and that's how they released their, their record. And it proved to be uh, beneficial for them. They sold a lot of records that way. Because even people that don't know exactly who ACDC is, everybody knows Walmart, at least here anyway. <laughs> yeah, so but, true. But I find it interesting. You're another one of them bands that, you know, um, was it that you were more popular abroad across the pond? You know, and they said that, you know, your records generally, you, uh, fans had to like buy it like as a Japanese import, but they couldn't buy a lot of your stuff. It was hard to find like here in America, which you're based out of California, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, we are very fortunate as a band to have had the success we've had in places like Japan 
Korea, um, certain places in continental Europe. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that success seemed to spill over into other territories where our music wasn't distributed. Mm-hmm. And so, especially in the, the heavy metal community globally, a lot of people started to take interest in our band. And so what they do is they end up paying these absorbent prices, importing our music into their, <laughs> you know, their territory. And we always felt really bad about it, but we didn't really have much say because we didn't have legal rights to the masters. Okay. So the whole idea really with, with Wake the Beast and this release is really to, to reach those individuals right that really have a curiosity to this band without forcing them to play you know pay like a hundred bucks you know for a record or some crazy amount of money you know it's insane now not especially now that vinyl is so popular with everybody yeah but um I, did you ever get lumped in like um with the british scene like did anybody you know think that that's where you came from back then you know i don't really know i i never I, you know we started we started off with what we call the impelitary black EP. So mm-hmm. people that have never heard of our band, if you just probably search, whether it's YouTube or whatever, for songs like lost in the rain, that's yeah. on the black EP. And it was really, it was a very cheaply made recording. I mean, what mm-hmm. we did is we went into a studio, put a bunch of room, uh, room mics and basically played live. Mm-hmm. And we captured, we got lucky. We just captured this amazing performance had tons of energy sonically you know it's okay sounding because it sounds Mm -hmm. like a couple almost like an iphone in a room with the band right (laughs) but we we kind of set precedence of who we were and so when we released it we released it as an independent release originally and it blew up in places like england Mm -hmm. right so um i remember it was krang magazine i think they gave us like five out of five stars nice um i I think they were the ones that started that whole ridiculous and it's not true but they called me like fastest guitar player in the world and stuff (laughs) like that so it really got embraced pretty heavily in places in continental europe Mm -hmm. england germany spain Mm -hmm. um you know all those countries and then in japan same thing all of a sudden it took off so People, I think they were aware that we were a band from the United States, Mm -hmm. but our original success kind of parlayed from those territories overseas. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for for like the average person doesn't know anything about us, they probably would misconstrue and say, oh, they must be from England or whatever, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it, it's kind of hard to believe today, but, you know, one of the things that made people realize who you were here in America is MTV of all sorts, you know, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is not MTV anymore, even though they call themselves MTV. But... Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. wish we, you know, somebody could just corner them in an interrogation room. It's like, all right, what does that M stand for now? Answer me. Because <laughs> yeah, it's not it's music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, that, that you know, that's another thing, too, for us. We got um, maybe it was right place, right time or whatever. You know, when we did the, the uh, music video for the song Stand in Line, mm-hmm. MTV at that ones. time, MTV was I mean, it was in like something like 25 or 30 million households. Right. And it, it just it was such a popular medium. And they played us a lot in their rotation. I remember they flew me to New York City and I was a guest on the headbangers ball 
Yeah, and at I that time, that. it was just me, me and I think it was an Adam Curry or something, that, you know, the, the host. Mm-hmm. But it was before they started doing, you know, a bunch of different bands. And, and at this time, they were still on at a reasonable hour, like 9 o'clock at night on Saturday Didn't have versus to stay 1 up. o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when we did that, that music video, that changed our popularity overnight. It was crazy how it's like, you know, I'd go into a music store a week before and, you know, the guitar players might know who I am. But after we did MTV, you go in there like everyone's like, hey, dude, I saw your music video. And, you know, or they, they knew the band guys. So it was really it was quite fascinating. And it also allowed us to springboard from that video and that success we were having, at least for that short period of time with MTV mm-hmm. into in Japan, I think, because what they knew was happening in America, they embraced us and something happened there. And then the band just exploded in popularity. So that's nice. I so yeah. you were able to play pretty large size arenas then at that time, right after that. The first show, well, the first show we played in Japan was the Tokyo Dome, which is sixty five thousand people. Oh, was that all? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but hold on. To be fair, hold on. I got. I just caught myself. Hold on. Okay. But that no was a, that was a festival. Billy Joel was playing. So I promise you, we weren't drawing all those people, but right. a lot of people were there to see us as well. Um, but that was our first show there, you know. And then over the years, I mean, even. We did a show, um, I think it was about a year before the pandemic, we did our first headlining show in Korea, North Korea, and we played, uh, it's called the Busan Rock Festival, and we headlined. We were the headliners, and it was funny, I've told people this story. Our bass player, James, he couldn't go, I think it was visa issues. So Mm -hmm. a friend of mine, Rudy Sarzo, Rudy's a very well-known bass player, Rudy came in, he learned all our music, rehearsed with us for like a week or two, flew there. And we went and we played Korea for the first time. And I'm thinking, oh, God, I, I wonder how many people are going to come see us play. I hope it's not like three people. Right. And we walked up on stage. There's like 30,000 people came to see us. It was incredible. So nice. we, we have certainly been very fortunate to have played arenas, stadium type venues. We've done uh, theaters there as well. Mm-hmm. So we've done it all. You know, and in America, look, there was a time where, yeah, we played in front of 30,000 people. But we've also played in front of 30 people and had the time of our lives. So, you know, mm-hmm. we've done it all. All right. So if you could uh, recap uh, this new anthology, Wake the Beast, give us a like a synopsis of obviously it's a compilation. But, you know, what is it uh, giving the, the fans and people that are going to purchase the record? I think our anthology, Wake the Beast, really gives our audience um, an example of who we are sonically, mm-hmm. right? Like, who we are musically, who we are as four or five individual, you know, members contributing to this beast. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it gives you that perspective. And I think the songs are quite diverse, although it always sounds like impelitary. We have a specific sonic characteristic. Yeah. So, you know, people either love us or they hate us. But at the end of the day, you're, you're hearing who we are. Mm-hmm. And I really love the songs on the record because, you know, we've got some stuff like the opening tracks, the first two songs. Um, we open with a song called Victim of the System, which is our singer, current singer and original singer, Rob Rock. And it kind of shows who the band is as far as what our style of music is. You know, it shows our abilities as musicians and vocalists, Mm -hmm. what we can do, right? Almost in in a showing off manner. And then we go into the second song, which is called Perfect Crime, where all of a sudden now we have the legendary lead singer Graham Bonnet singing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. right? And the same band guys, but different singer. And you can kind of hear how we go on a different journey, Mm -hmm. right? And so what I love about the anthology is there's a lot of that kind of interaction with the songs, you know? Mm -hmm. So they they may have different um, singers at times, and different drummers, which makes a lot. The, the, the other yeah. part, the nucleus of the band, for the most part, has always been the same. But, right. you know, there's a lot of diversity there, even though, mm-hmm. yes, it's metal. And, you know, at times we can be a little over the top. Yeah. And some of these songs have not been available up until now, at least not, you know, domestically, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously our newer music, of course, like our most recent records, which are on a different label. It's on Frontiers for America and Europe and JVC Victor for all of Asia and mm-hmm. Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so the new music has always been available, right? And a lot of people that have discovered the band recently, that's what they know. Like if you go to YouTube and watch our Venom music video, you kind of know oh, that's Impelitary, right? Right. But a lot of the back catalog, we didn't do anything here in the States with it. So the cool thing for us, for many people, this is brand new. This is the first time they're hearing us. So this is like, it's almost like, oh, career starting all over again, which is really exciting <laughs> as, as, you know, the one of the guys in the band, you know? Yeah. So we were talking about it before we started the interview. You're working on a new record as we speak. And, yeah. And is there a plan for a good-sized tour after that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the plan is to release the new record probably in the middle of 2023 or getting close to the summer of 2023. We're, 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 we're deep into the process of writing and recording now. Um, and then the plan is in 2023, go out and play as many shows as possible and play anywhere that will have us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know our managers already put, you know, our name in for all of the big metal festivals over in Europe. You know, we'll do the Japan thing, of course. Um, and in the States, you know, I really want to come back and play the States. Because for God's sakes, we're from the United States, so we yeah. really need to do this. Once and for all, we need to come out and play everywhere. You know, so our intent is to do that. Yeah. Well, I would imagine Detroit would have to be part of that itinerary then, right? Of course. Detroit Rock City, man. <laughs> we look forward to that. So that's going to be later in 2023. It'll be here before you know it, folks. And I yeah. think by then, really, I mean, this pandemic will be behind us. I mean... It'll still be there. It's it's never going to go away. But I think it, we're finally to a point where we can get on with our lives. I you know hopefully. Yeah, I, you know I have a lot of friends that are in um, they're in very large metal bands and they travel overseas a lot. And logistically, it's been a nightmare. You know because mm-hmm. people don't realize as an artist, you know like when we go over and we play like we do a Japan tour. You know, we bring a massive stage set to production. People don't realize you have to commit a lot of money up front to do that. Mm-hmm. And if something happens logistically, like, uh-oh, you can't get in the country or one of the members forgot to get his COVID card or whatever, you know, it can throw everything into this chaotic nightmare where all of a sudden, oh, my God, you're going to lose, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, you know, the, the pandemic is certainly, um, it's made bands think more cautiously. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's also been a hindrance because expenses have gone up with inflation. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting. People think, you know, oh, you guys play these big venues or whatever and you make a ton of money. And there are times where it's true. You can make a lot of money. But mm-hmm. with us, we've always been a band where we try to put as much money into the production as well. Right. You know, so with the pandemic, it's made things more expensive and also more uncertain. Yeah. 
you know, you make a decent amount of money, one, when the attendance is what you anticipate, two, is when nothing goes wrong. But like you said, if something goes wrong, just something as simple as one of the members can't get to the next country because of whatever, then, yeah, you're actually in the losing section, aren't you? Oh, yeah. And look, remember, we're a band that have pretty much spent most of our career overseas, right? And Mm. which brings in a lot of or initiates a lot of complexity because there are times where, yeah, we'll rehearse in the United States, right, and get the band ready get ready to the shows. But then a lot of times we may all fly independently. One guy's flying into Heathrow, you know, the other guy's flying into another area, you know, and, and there are times where we've played shows and literally like, you know, hours before the show, you know, our drummer's still flying in because his flight got delayed and we're like, Oh my God, you know, and there's mm-hmm. Is it gonna make 20,000 people out there. Yeah. You know, and it's <laughs> like, you're like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to play this thing? You know? Yeah, I, I, I've been to a couple shows where they eventually explained it. They had to switch the um, order of the roster because of that, because one member, like you said, the, the plane was delayed, and they just barely made it to that show in time to play in the next slot, not the original slot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's crazy. That's a lot of stress involved, isn't it? You didn't think it's just easy. Like, all you guys do is just fly to the next place and walk on stage yeah. and start playing. <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, look, there are bands that are much bigger than us where they do like a hub and spoke tour, right? Which is basically, you know, if you're doing the United States, you may pick a place like maybe Chicago or whatever, where basically that's going to be a place where you're going to get a hotel. You're going to lock in that hotel for, say, two months, right? And then you're going to travel, obviously flying, right? Private. Mm-hmm. You fly out and maybe you're doing two to three hour flights to the venue, do your show, finish your show, get back on the plane that night, go back to the hotel, mm. sleep for, you know, seven to eight hours and get up and go do the same thing. Those kind of tours, it, it it's much easier logistically, right? Because mm-hmm. everything is established. But yeah. with us, we're all over the place. Like, you know, a couple of years ago, we went overseas and we were doing the big metal festivals. And I remember we did um, Rockfest Barcelona, which we had to fly into... God, I forgot how we did it. I think we flew first, uh, oddly, I don't know why, I think we flew into Germany, right? Mm -hmm. From Germany, then we flew into Spain, and it was a big show. I mean, Iron Maiden were headlining. We were pretty high up on the bill as well. I think we were after or before Anthrax. And, um, you know, I remember logistics. It was was the same issue. It was like, oh, God, are we going to make these flights? Mm -hmm. And then from Spain, then we flew, I think, back to Germany. I think we played Banger Head Festival, something like that, in, in Germany, and you know, again, it was the logistic part of it, you know, it was always mm-hmm. like, oh boy, here comes the challenge. And you remember <laughs> for us, it's frustrating because all I want to do is play my guitar, you know? Yeah, yeah. Not everybody is lucky as Iron Maiden, you, you know, Bruce flies the jet, you know, so yeah, there's no excuse yeah. for them not being able to get from place to place. <laughs> yeah, our, our previous drummer, a guy named John Deddy, who did the Venom record and did the Venom tour with us and Nature of the Beast, he actually filled in for Anthrax drummer, and I guess they did a South American tour, and, and John was actually playing drums for Anthrax, and yeah. he said they were traveling with Bruce on that uh, the 747 version of whatever you know, Maiden did, but he said it was cool, very cool to have him, and very professional guy, which is probably what you want when someone's controlling your life. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is the guy that has his life in your hands, literally, never mind exactly. the show. Literally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, all right, so once again, um, Wake the Beast, the Impelitary Anthology that's uh, been already com- out. It came out September 30th. I imagine, like you said, Target, any any place that you normally get records, 
Uh, you could probably go through Amazon, Spotify, the whole nine yards. Um, oh, yeah. And a digital version is available too, right? Because we talked about that before the interview. Because some people, that's what they want. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you get online, I mean, you get streaming versions of it. Um, it's available everywhere, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I hope people enjoy it. You know, I mean, you know, for the people that have never heard of us, they try to say, well, how do you explain the sound of your band? And I can say, you know, it's interesting. We started out almost as like, almost like a thrash metal band with a lot of beautiful one, three, five harmonies, kind of like what you'd hear in a band like Queen. Mm-hmm. You know, then of course I'm doing all the shredding technical guitar solos and the crazy fast stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, the drummer is very thrashy sounding. But at the same time, we always make certain that we have a really nice melodic structure to our songs. Mm-hmm. So our hope is that when you hear this, when those choruses come up, those anthems, you start singing. Yeah. with us you know yeah. so so singing then hang headbanging then singing then headbanging <laughs> that's that's been our formula exactly yeah. and it, of course in this world of craziness right a lot of energy in the music mm-hmm. yeah that's that's what we need I, I love music of any kind that just gets you up off your feet and get you moving yeah so. ah trouble is a bond uh-oh <laughs> I, I think they're coming for me uh, what did you do this time, Chris? <laughs> Play too fast. <laughs> yeah, that's a crime, isn't it? <laughs> All right, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to it. Maybe uh, we can have a conversation again when it gets close to where the actual the new album is going to be released and, of course, the upcoming tour, and we'll be talking about a Detroit date, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, it's my pleasure and my honor, and thank you for having me. All right. You enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, you're about three hours uh, earlier than us, so you still got plenty of time. Of course, you're probably just going <laughs> to go you're back. You're in the future. Huh? I love it. Yeah. I said, you're in the future. That's great. Yeah. It's even uh, even worse with uh, Europe, isn't it? It's like it starts with England. <laughs> they're fu- they're already, like, going to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, you take care, and it was was a pleasure, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again. Okay, thanks so much. All right, thank you. Take care.
right. That is the band Impelitary with the song Phantom of the Opera. Yes, the original one. I thought that would be perfect to get us in the mood. Less than two weeks away, of course, from Halloween. I know all of you people out there love that holiday. That's what it is nowadays. It's not even trick-or-treat anymore. It's it's a holiday for everybody, the adults. Anyway, uh, before that, we uh, saw a video also by Impelitary, Wicked Maiden. And before that, of course, the interview with the gentleman, Chris Impelitary, to tell us all about what's going on, the latest for that band. All right, we got lots of uh, more great stuff for you coming up. Some videos from people that are going to be playing in town this weekend in the Detroit area. And of course, at seven o'clock, stick around. We'll have another hour long band performance from the band Wide Track. Definitely highly recommended if you're into the more progressive rock, if you will. We're going to start off with something from Elizabeth Tremblay and the Treatment. And they're going to be playing Friday, that's tomorrow, at the Lager House. It's not Lager House anymore. It's, I mean, PJ's Lager House, rather, anymore. It is Lager House. As most of you probably know that really keep up on the latest music news and venues and that, things like that, PJ has stepped down. He is retired, happily, of course. He didn't have to, but he wanted to. He wants to enjoy the rest of his years with his wife and you know, close friends and loved ones and, you know, just get out of the biz. He's uh, did a great thing for the Detroit area as far as being bringing all kinds of great music to uh, the community. So we wish him well. We'll still see him around. He's just not going to have the day-to-day to worry about. So anyway, at the Logger House tomorrow, uh, Elizabeth Tremblay and the Treatment, a bunch of others are going to play. Once again, this is the video called Backseat. <laughs>
All right. Those are my buddies, the Zots. And as you could probably tell by looking at the background of that video, that was recorded live at PJ's Lager House, now the Lager House. Yeah, I have a feeling that uh, we'll be able to reminisce about that place for a very long time to come because I can't tell you how many videos that are available out there for not only Detroit artists, but uh, artists that come from around the country and Canada, which we'll talk about in just a second. So the Zots actually... And Strains, the video before that, Detroit City, No Love, No Pity, they're both going to be playing at the Outer Limits Lounge in Hamtramck. That's on the east side of Hamtramck, right where it meets Detroit, east of um, Conant on Kniff. So if you want to check out their pre-Halloween party, that's happening this weekend. Um, I believe it's tomorrow, but you could look them up, Outer Limits on Facebook or whatever. And then before that, The Beaches. They're going to be at the Lager House that we just talked about on Sunday, and that's an all-female band from Canada. So looking forward to that. And we started off with Elspeth Trembley and The Treatment with their track, Backseat, Friday at the Lager House. Also, that video recorded at the Lager House. You see the theme here, you know? You can't get away from that place if, if you want to talk about really good local shows and national artists coming to play. We're going to finish off with a couple of videos there coming up at 7 o'clock. Like I said, Wide Track Live. They're going to do an acoustic set. Normally they go out and play electric, but they're going to do acoustic today for us. And again, it's like it leans on the uh, progressive rock side, but might be a little harder to tell when it's just acoustic guitars. But we'll see what happens. I'm, I don't know what to expect, and I'm going to be as new to it as you are. So that's what I like about this uh, show, Adventure. So anyway, we're going to finish off with uh, Big B and the actual proof, All Bad. They're going to be playing at Max Dugan's, and this is a video from a competition they won, a blues competition, so that's really cool. So they're playing Saturday night in Hazel Park, so check that out if you like that one. Then we're going to finish off with Robert Gordon. Most of you already know, of course, that Robert Gordon, 75, just passed away a couple days ago. And we're going to do finish off with a video called Red Hot. And this is actually a song. Uh, basically, Robert Gordon, that's all he did was cover tracks. And this is originally from Billy Lee Riley and his Little Green Men. So that'll finish it off. But without further ado, this is Big B and the Actual Proof with All Bad. <laughs>
or your daddy was cheating. But excuses never really justify what you do with your friend. Oh, I've seen you laugh at pain as long as it ain't yours. She can't be all bad, they say, but they don't know the score. Someone who knows the best When it comes to being all bad
it says seven. So you know what that means. We have a live band performance for you. We have the band Wide Track ready to do some songs for you, and we'll hang out and chat for a bit. How you guys doing? Awesome. It's an honor to be here. All right. <laughs> I didn't hear from you. I, I can't hear you. I, I can't. I can only hear myself myself, so okay. it's all right. Okay. <laughs> um, why don't we get started? Um, what do you have to begin the set? We are doing the beginning of the closing song of our most recent release. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's a lengthy 10 minutes if, uh, you know, you like to prog out. But uh, for now, we're going to keep it pop and we're going to keep it commercial. <laughs> okay. So normally this is a 10-minute opus, is what you're trying to say? Right. But this is the stripped-down acoustic version? Yeah, it gets, it gets pretty out there, so uh, you know, uh -huh. figure really in. You know? So we're missing, what do they call them back then, the sweets that come with it? They actually have Roman numerals, if that's not the most cliche. Yeah, parts one through six, seven, eight, God knows <laughs> yeah. how many, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it, to play the song you know, how do you restrain yourself just doing that little short bit compared to that, you know, that full ensemble? Yeah. We, we, we I mean, no drums, no electric guitars. Yeah. It's sort of like, 
you know, it's for our own good. You know, you don't need to hear us banging on here <laughs> trying to be, uh, you know, Black Sabbath on the acoustic guitars, you know? Well, we like that too, though. I mean, you can always do that as well. I mean, that's not a problem. Sure. But, um, so you said that this was like um, from your latest release. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so our last release was our fourth release, and it was the first release that Zach was a writer. It was the first time I wrote all the music up to that point. Mm -hmm. uh, when Zach was about 12 years old, he said, hey, Dad, I want to play the bass. I want to come and play in the, in the band with you. Mm -hmm. So we got him. We had already written the third album, but we replaced my cheesy lame bass play bite bass parts with his bass parts oh and uh from there he just shot like a cannon he, he started growing at a really amazing rate and so a year later he's writing all the music and which is great i love it he'll now he writes the guitar and bass and i'll write the drums and vocals mm. and so our last album uh was the first time that we had collaborated together more like a team as opposed to yeah. him playing along with you now was that part of the the thing from the beginning the project from the beginning or just recently from the beginning of the last album right but not not the first one Correct. I, I was uh, i think three yeah it was 2007 he yeah. was he was three years old when i put out the first white track oh why couldn't you do it then yeah. come on <laughs> i was not that he didn't try busy figuring out which way is up <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it's just been a really cool journey, um, doing this together and, uh, you know, with the, uh, it was, it was neat because right away he understood the aesthetic of everything. He, he just got what the vibe was mm -hmm. and, uh, it was a nice little, uh, transition evolution mm -hmm. on the last album, so... Well, I would imagine, even though he might not have been interested in playing, he was probably still paying attention when he was three. I'm sure you could still hear what was going on that your dad was doing, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, I was introduced to a lot of awesome music. You know, I uh, always looked up to my dad being a rock star, but, you know. <laughs> Little did he know, right, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was nice to have the uh, opportunity to come into it naturally, you know, uh, yeah. not be put on that path. So you've straightened them out, though. You know, it's not about, you know, you're not going to get any groupies or anything like that going on. <laughs> it's well, a he lot. might not. I mean, <laughs> ah. right. not in my business. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work, and sometimes, it, you know, you don't get what you deserve. But, hey, you do it for the love of it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. We, we have a cover band that we do a lot of weekends. Mm -hmm. And uh, he started as a roadie. You know, I would pay him to come and help out. With, on that level and then uh, pretty soon he was playing in the band and, mm -hmm. and now he owns it now he lets me play in it <laughs> that's awfully nice of him <laughs> yeah I, I appreciate it <laughs> all right why don't we do another one then all right remember to stay close on those mics really close all righty
Sessions live with the band Wide Track. All right. So I'm going to assume that most of the songs you're going to play for us today are pretty much from the newest one. Is that correct? Uh, that that last couple uh, that was from the third album. The one before was we're doing a little mix. Going a little back mix. A little okay. Back. We got a cover in here and yeah, yeah. Because some people do you know different things. Some people all oh, this is all new, or some people go through their entire career, whatever that is. And yeah, yeah I always thought, like to find out. So. Um, Zach, now, I, I just thought of a question. Now, if say hypothetically you did make it to where you were going to join a big band, you know, I mean as far as popularity, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually go out there and play big, you know, arenas, make lots of money. If you had your choice and, you know, you basically had to only do one thing, what would that be? Would it be bass guitar, regular, you know, electric guitar, drums, vocals? That's a tough one, you know. No musician <laughs> likes to choose anything, but uh, I'd have to go with bass. Bass is such a powerful instrument, mm -hmm. such a foundational instrument. I mean, you change 
the whole song by changing the bass, you know. Oh, yeah. One could argue the rhythm section. That's the bass and the drums. Some of the greatest bands, I mean, you can't imagine that band. Yeah, they'd be okay, but without that backup, that rhythm section, you know, like Van Halen, everybody always focuses on Eddie. But if you didn't have Michael Anthony and Alex backing him up with that solid section, oh. you know, it, it's, it wouldn't be the same band. Oh, definitely not. And the same goes for, we were just talking about Getty Lee, of course, like Rush. You know, if you didn't have Neil Peart and Getty Lee doing that bass, and somebody just, if they just did, like, sang those songs, it'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know? <laughs> totally, totally, night and day. Yeah, yeah. okay. So uh, as far as the music goes, where is it available? How do we find it if we're interested? Uh, we usually like to say our website first and foremost, or you can stream. It's on all the streaming platforms, of mm -hmm. course, but uh, widetrackband.com. Okay. It's uh, all of our albums are available there. So all the usual places, Spotify, yep. Bandcamp, you know, the, the whole nine yards. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. What do you have for us now? This is a new one. This will be the opening track on our new album. Oh, okay. What's it called? Illumination. Which one is the object 
Forgive me, my ears aren't perfect musically, but I'm noticing uh, different tuning. Is that drop D or something different than that? Or? It's a half step down. So this is E flat standard. Ah, okay. I knew it wasn't uh, the, the standard tuning, but it has a cool sound to it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, we'll talk to Ron for a second, the father. Um, what were your influences growing up? What made you go, hey, I want to play guitar, you know, kind of thing? Oh, God, Black Sabbath. Led Zeppelin, mm -hmm. all the usual, Rush. I remember when I was about uh, 14, discovering Rush. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, of course, being a drummer, you know, I started out as a drummer. Mm -hmm. And I heard Neil Peart after hearing John Bonham, and those guys kind of became the uh, yin-yang of my musical mm -hmm. study. Um, yeah, and then uh, from there, just kind of branched out into a lot of different stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Marillion, Pink Floyd was always remains a huge influence. Uh, um, yeah, Alan and I got to see Saucer Full of Secrets about a Nick week or Mason's so. thing. How was yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. It was awesome. Oh god. I mean, it was basically everything up until Dark Side of the Moon. It was all the early stuff. Yeah. Kind of a little tribute to Sid Barrett, that kind of thing. Wow. But they had a lot of great songs before oh, then, and unfortunately, yeah. commercial radio forgets that. You know, they just yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like my favorite Pink Floyd album is Animals, and there's nothing on the album that's short enough to be played on radio other than the little bookended intro and outro things that they do. But This is true. That's just such good stuff. And a lot of stuff that we like, like Yes and Genesis, the mm -hmm. long-form progressive rock stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, uh, is there anything that uh, separates you from your dad, stuff that, that you get into that dad might go, eh, I don't know. Not much, surprisingly. Um, I remember growing up in middle school, right when I was diving deepest into music for the first time, I could hear something and know if my dad was going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I, that felt a little weird, so I started listening to stuff that, uh, you know, I kind of had to let my defenses down a little bit to get mm -hmm. into. and uh, You had to be a little independent, right? <laughs> right, you know, uh, not take myself as seriously, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, all the stuff that we like, even if, you know, each each other isn't 
over the moon about it. We still have kind of a mutual respect for a lot of stuff that you can listen to. You can definitely get each other's stuff. Like, okay, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. fortunately for me now that he's showing me bands that would not be on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I've picked up a couple that have become really favorites. Uh, there's a band uh, called Sleep Token that I just think is. I was mm. I was the oldest guy in the room. At, we saw them at St. Andrews, and we were there to see the band that he wanted to see. And these guys opened up, and I was just like, "Oh, I wow. think I love this." And <laughs> so I never would have get that would never would have been on my radar had it not been for him saying, "Hey, check this out." So he's returning the favor tenfold. Awesome. It's nice. Yeah, there's still a lot of great music out there that's coming out that's new. It's just you're not going to hear it on the radio. No, <laughs> that's the thing. And and it, you know what I'm really appreciating about a lot of this music? It's it's like the it's very genre bending. Like, I mean, even with the Sleep Token band, we literally you can't. What is it? It's it's all of these things, mm. and we it's just a dream for for progressive rock fans like us, you know. Mm-hmm. But, well, uh, even the bands in the 70s, you know, when you think about it, I mean, people always, you know, when you say Led Zeppelin, they always think of like rock and roll or Stairway to Heaven and just a couple other songs. Yeah. But when you really did dig deep into their catalog, it's like, that's almost like a jazz song or, you yeah, know, uh, the Cashmere, that's Middle Eastern, yeah. you know, tones, that, oh, you know, God, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And the same goes for uh, Sabbath. If you actually just um, isolate you know how they isolate the tracks? Yeah. The individual ones. And if you just hear the yeah. bass and the drums. Oh, it's like jazz. Early, yeah. The early Black Sabbath. Yes, it is. Very jazzy. You know, those yeah. two could have played for jazz bands. Absolutely. With their style. Yeah. But when you mix it together with Tony Iommi and Ozzy. Right. <laughs> it's, it doesn't sound like jazz, yeah. does it? I think that's something that a lot of the more uh, newer metal bands don't really pick up on. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, I was reading a, Tony Iommi's autobiography. And he said, hey, you know, Sabbath started off as kind of a blues jazz band. Mm-hmm. And the treasure trove of influence with those bands, they dig deep. They go back to Django Reinhardt mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Whereas now you ask a kid, you know, that plays metal, hey, what's your influences? Oh, Metallica or Alice in Chains? It, 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 they don't dig very deep. No. And I'm no. not saying that in an in a older guy get off my lawn kind of way. It is, it's an interesting phenomenon. We, you mentioned the 70s and like... Our favorite era is the 70s. It's mm-hmm. like there was something about the, all of these different genres existing. Like you could turn on one radio station, you'd have anything from Earth, Wind, and Fire to Led Zeppelin to singer-songwriter stuff to mm-hmm. the Yacht Rocky stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we just call it the golden age of top 40. There was just something that, that was so special about that decade that you don't see since every decades before and after is very specialized to its own self you know yeah. not immediately after that but you know as it got past the 90s then it just really went downhill yeah everything is formulaic it's, okay if it's rock it's got to sound like this right. if it's country it's got to sound like this if it's and then you can't mix the two together that's oh, taboo you know yeah <laughs> you're singing the song my friend yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, well, that's why we have shows like this. We can cool. have all kinds of variety. <laughs> all right, well, we should stop yakking. Let's get another one in. All right, this is another one from the new album. It's called Unlived.
live with wide track all right why don't we take a little bit of a break from yakking let's keep it going what do you have for us now Ron? this is from our last album this is called requiem okay <laughs> Betray her 
her trust She tried to not give up But the pain was just too much The message is they said were crafted to what they knew of her beliefs with no shame they paused as a kindred soul and stole her heart while they laughed she lied Yeah.
All right. So, I believe we have a relatively big show coming up soon. Tell us about that. Yeah, tomorrow night we're at the Diesel in Chesterfield, Michigan. Uh, it's the uh, Smash Productions 10-year anniversary. Oh, so. that guy. Yep. Yeah, Paul. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Paul's awesome. Hey, Paul. <laughs> wherever you are, brother. Um, yeah, he's uh, doing a lot for the local scene and uh, asked us to be a part of it. And so we're uh, we're playing at 11, 11 to 11:45. It'll be our first 45-minute set, which typically oh. we've only been doing half-hour sets. So. So you can actually squeeze more than three songs in. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, we get three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so are you, are you the headliner tomorrow? Or? I don't think there's really a headliner. I, I think if there is, they're getting the earlier slot, I think. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's really a, I don't know, that phrase is passe now, I guess, isn't it? A bit, he yeah. Headliner doesn't necessarily mean the last one to play. In fact, usually people draw straws to not play the last lot. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing against, it, you know, you and your son there, but, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it's oh yeah, hit and miss, you yeah. know, what happens. And it, it is, it has nothing to do with, like, you as a performer. It's just, like, some people just, okay, I'm getting tired. I'm, I want to go home. <laughs> we, we've yeah. seen a lot of concerts this year, and even our favorite bands, it's like there's something to be said for a band keeping their set shorter and... Uh, it's it's a lot of you know in this day and age or maybe at my age. <laughs> well, you and I can remember when all shows at a bar of any kind that served alcohol it had to go till closing time. Right. I mean, the yeah. band was playing the last song at closing time. Yeah. When you go to Harpo's, even the National Acts, they were doing their final song at two in the morning. Right. Right. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that we had talked about with our new album. It, most of uh, actually all of our albums to this point have 12 songs, at least 60 minutes worth of music. Mm -hmm. And Zach was really adamant about, I don't think people want to sit through 12 songs with the release. Why don't we put eight on mm -hmm. this we'll, and kind of do it old school, like an album would be four songs on each side, roughly. Roughly 40 minutes, because that's what you could fit on a vinyl and it still sound good. Yeah. yeah. And it's really, you know, when I listen to other bands' music, I say, okay, I've been interested in checking these guys out. Let me hear their new album. I'll get about 40 minutes in, and then I'll, that's when I check to see how much time's left. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of telling me, I think there's something to that. Just kind of get in and get out, leave them wanting more, if, if anything. Particularly since CDs are kind of like, you know, again, passe, at least currently. Yeah. If anybody is going to buy anything, it's either going to be digital or vinyl. Right. Of some sort. And once in a while, cassettes, if you're still DIY, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even they could only be, like, roughly, you know, the same length. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. So keeping it short is, uh, that's the order of the day this time. Of course, we have songs that are six, seven minutes long. And mm -hmm. so I guess that's what we got going. This All time. right. <laughs> So that's Diesel tomorrow, and then Wide Track, of course, is playing. And then, uh, do you know any of the other bands offhand, top of the, your uh, head? I, if you don't, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. there's. Uh, I'm not familiar with any of the. I've never seen any of the other bands that have played that are playing. Um, Paul's good at that. I, I swear to God, you know, I I consider myself, you know, I'm fairly good with the pulse of what's going on locally. You know, mm -hmm. as far as music goes, I know tons of bands, especially the ones that have come through here over the years but he always manages to pull those ones out it's like i've never heard of them yeah nothing you know then they come and play for me wow you know 
He's got something. Every time we do a show for him, it's different bands on the bill, yeah. and it's it's like he gets really bored, you know. Nobody's yeah. played for me twice. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> but hey, that's a good thing. Everybody gets their chance, right? Yeah. Totally. And yeah. you know, the more bands you play with, the more you're taking in. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the better your, you know, musical appetite is going to be satiated. And honestly, you know, quick story. I was at the CVS picking up some pain meds after I got uh, my wisdom teeth removed. Always and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a blast, uh, but the guy filling my prescription saw my shirt, and he was like, hey, that's a cool shirt. And I was like, oh, you playing a band? He's like, yeah, such and such. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, we played a show together. So. <laughs> yeah, but you don't, the context, you don't recognize each other because you don't have an instrument in your hand or whatever, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Small world, definitely. All right, what do you have for us now? This is, uh, we did a, uh, what we call a retroactive EP last year. And retroactive? So uh, there was a, a collection of songs, about five, six songs that I had written when my father passed away. And, mm-hmm. and I just, I didn't want to put them out at the time. They were a little too... It was too it was. raw still. Yeah, it was too. Well, then years later, I kind of was looking, you know, taking inventory of the older stuff. And I came across these songs... And I played them for Zach, and Zach said, well, why don't we do this? I'll play on this. So we took the older tracks of me and put the newer tracks of him, and he mixed it. He did a great job on it, I thought. And uh, so we we just kind of put that out low-key last year. It was Mm kind of something to keep us busy during the pandemic and all Mm -hmm. that. But uh, yeah, it turned out, and and it was kind of a, you know, it was kind of a celebration at that point. It kind of Kind of turned the corner a little bit with those with these songs, hmm. but uh, and hopefully Grandpa's up there listening right now. Huh? Oh yeah, that's a, that'd be great. But uh, so this one is called Star Child. It's so life like the sin.
Genesis, but like maybe mid-period Genesis. A little bit of that in there. I mean, that's my personal opinion anyway. That's great to hear. Yeah. We oh, love Genesis. Cool. Like right around the time the transition when Peter was starting to leave and Phil was starting over around that era. Trick of the tail, wind and weathering. Yeah. Great. That's fantastic stuff. <laughs> All right. Why don't we keep it going? Uh, I want to squeeze at least a few more songs in here before we get done. It's already quarter to the hour so. We uh, saw one of our favorite bands reunite a few nights ago, a band called the Mars Volta. Oh, okay. And uh, this is one of their uh, unreleased, rare B-side tracks only available on YouTube, and we love the song so much. We and on eBay for $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is called Clouds by the Mars Volta. All right. Muzzle 
But this time I'm coming for you When I sift through the air in your mask made of infinite pain There is bliss from the smell to that stain Was it last night I held your hand Orchestrina that cuts my
Boy, that one ends abruptly. <laughs> Got to keep the DJ on guard, you know. <laughs> All right. So let's do another one. All right. This is from our last album. Uh, it's fan favorite, if I, if I'm uh, guessing right. This is called Tribal.
Time for one more. Ron, Zach, thank you so much for coming down for us, hanging out, thank you, playing thank for you, us. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. It's yeah, been a blast. Love what you're doing here. Thank you. Appreciate it. My pleasure as always. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, once again, uh, widetrackband.com. If you, you want to check this band out and check out their music and all that other good stuff. And then, of course, uh, tomorrow you want to check out the Diesel if you want to see him play live for you. And uh, that'll be the 10th anniversary smash anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, so what are you going to leave us with? This is from our second album. Uh, this is a song I wrote back in early 2000s for our old influence, Mr. Rod Serling. <laughs> and uh, this is called The Shrine. on the wall projecting images of time and life no longer there spend your days never moving on a few more years and then you'll be gone it's hard to find
see no light in the sunset compared to what has your sun interest nothing in life gives you comfort as much as this 